So typically, I start these episodes by asking how you're doing. You want to hear? Or, but, oh, wait. He's going in a different direction. But <laughs> I've decided I'm going to start a slightly different way in a way that's more useful for me. Did you did you eat a nice dinner, Grant? Did you have a snack before this? Like I had a snack before this, but not like immediately before this. Like I had a pre-dinner snack and then I had dinner and then I had a post-dinner snack. But like that was like a few hours ago. Okay. Gotcha. But it's okay. I, feel, I just feel like it's more relevant information so I can, you know, tweak my... Uh, uh, discussion topics? Dis- exactly. Exactly. No, you can talk about food. I'm all, I'm, I'm I, I'm not still hungry or anything. Well, funnily enough, I didn't actually have any food topics. It just sort of, it came into my mind as I was sitting here waiting for us to get on the call together. Okay. It was like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a better question, I feel like. You want to hear about the worst part of my day? I would love like, to hear horrible. about the worst part of your day. Let's do it. So I was eating lunch. Actually, I, was, I wasn't even eating lunch. I was eating pre-lunch snack. Hmm. I was having an apple before I ate lunch. What kind uh, of apple? A gala apple. Respectable. Prime, prime a apple pr- choice. A price-conscious choice. Price-conscious but yet wonderful. Yes. I think Pink Lady is my, is my preferred apple in that, in that price tier. But I'm not going to turn my nose up at a gala. So I was I was eating this apple and I did something amazing in the most horrible way possible. I don't understand how it happens. I would I'll say that I would love to speak to a physiologist or something about how it happens, but I really don't care cuz it just makes me mad. Uh I bit my tongue, but not just my tongue. So if you like think about your tongue how it's like sitting in your mouth. So you got like your tongue, and if we're, like, talking about the surface of your tongue, like, you got the bottom of your tongue, and then, like, at the very back of the bottom of your tongue, it, like, wraps around to the bottom of your mouth. Uh-huh. And, like, there's also, like, the connecting line at the middle of your tongue that connects to the bottom of your mouth. So there's, like, kind of a back little corner down in there. Sure. At the very, like, back corner of the underside of your tongue. Uh-huh. How I put that in between my teeth and not any other part of my tongue, I have no idea, but... Uh, I bit wow. my tongue so bad. I'm so glad there was nobody else around because I literally shed a tear. Like I, I did. I was like, ah! <laughs> like the most manly noise I could make. Uh-huh. And then I just had to like sit there for like a minute. Cause like, I couldn't do anything. Oh man. This is just like, it was like getting hit in the nuts, but in the mouth mm-hmm. and it still hurts. I believe it. Like, it hurts to talk. It hurts to drink. It hurts to eat dinner. Ugh. Yeah, that doesn't uh, sound thrilling. Yeah, and so I'm just sad. I I, I think that's totally fair. <laughs> so now oh, that I've man. started off the episode with, on such a positive note. Well, let's continue with some mouth-based discussion. Okay. I, so I got to go to the dentist the other day. Ah. To get a couple of fillings. But my experience was very different than what I remember fillings used to be. Mm. Uh, eventually it became clear that the reason for this was the location of the fillings. That, that made it much more complicated. So these particular fillings had to be done 
in the contact point between two molars. Oh. As opposed to when you're a kid, and I feel like most of your fillings are just like on the top, like the biting surface, the chewing mm-hmm. surface, as it were, uh, where it's just straight access. They just kind of go in, do whatever they do to fill, and then that's kind of that. It's pretty quick. So that's what I was prepared for. When I sit down and the dentist starts off immediately, all right, uh, here's some numbing gel. And I was like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. You're going to drill into my tooth. Um, seems reasonable. Uh, and then in about five minutes later when she came back, uh, it was revealed to me that the numbing gel was not for my own benefit for the filling. It was for my own benefit because they were about to inject lidocaine into my gums, which is, for me, objectively, the worst part about going to the dentist is seeing that tiny, tiny, tiny little syringe uh, poke up in front of your face as they're about to poke it into your gums. Okay, th- not to interrupt <laughs> your story, uh-huh. but you, so you had fillings before, but they never injected you with like any, like they just did topical like numbing agent? They didn't inject you before? Well, I've definitely been injected with lidocaine, but I don't remember it being the norm for most of my fillings. Oh, I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. like they, the reason that I, and this may just be like a, a, a false memory, I guess, because at the end of this whole appointment, I was told, cause I, the spoiler alert here is that these fillings took so long that I have to go back again in three weeks to get one of the surface level ones that I was also due to get. Mm. and she said oh yeah like that one will take it won't take long like we just don't we don't have time right now but that won't take long we probably don't even need to use any anesthetic hmm. and i was like all right that works for me so part of it could be that 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 went in my brain and i'm now convinced okay. myself that i typically didn't get uh, any sort of numbing injected into me but like i've been to a dentist where like they have done that but that but i also know that i've gotten a couple of teeth pulled when i was younger and so it's hard for me to keep track of what happened when okay but all this to be said that you know i get i get um jabbed with the lidocaine which i wasn't expecting and then proceeded an hour-long procedure where there was, you know, I was expecting the drilling that happened as as I anticipated. And then at one point, they took the small plastic wedge shape. I was numb, obviously, so I couldn't feel necessarily what was happening. But, you know, it's, it's like the, the classic doctor, you're going to feel some pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, numbing is not going to stop you from feeling the fact that there is pressure, that she was pushing something into my mouth. And as best I could tell, this wedge was being shoved between my teeth. Wonderful. Uh, and and then at some point, there was like, it felt like a piece of metal that, you know, there was, these days, dental instruments are so much nicer, you know? They're all white plastic and stuff, and really the only time you see the shiny metal of yesteryear is when they're like scraping at your teeth during the cleaning. It's so much more inviting, I feel like. But they came out with these, with this metal forceps pliers thing at some point to like shove something into my mouth again and that was like the feel of like cold metal against my cheek was not pleasant Mm -hmm. so uh, what what i later learned at the very end the reason that all this was happening and at one point they were like quickly flossing which i didn't really understand at, at first 
is because the filling was in between teeth, some dentists are bad. It's, I was telling Aaron, this is always fun when medical professionals sort of Talk casually crap. throw shade yeah, yes. <laughs> about others. <laughs> and so what she was telling me was some people get these kinds of fillings, and especially in the way that they do fillings now where they, like, put something in and then they cure it with UV light. Mm-hmm. So they will, like... As, as far as I gathered, the the two fillings on either side of the teeth will get fused together, making yep. it literally impossible to floss there. Mm-hmm. And so what they were doing was like shoving this wedge in there, doing, like putting pieces of stuff between the teeth so that they could properly do the filling. And then they were testing that they that they could floss there, um, which yeah. you know was very nice of them. But none of this was explained to me. I didn't know what was going on. And then they explained it all at the very end. And I was like, oh, wow, cool. So, yeah, it was like a nice long hour, and I still have to go back. So they were UV cured, or... Yes. Okay. Which I think is the second time I've had that. Because definitely for a long time, it was definitely not that, and I was, you know, there were so many more restrictions about what you could eat right after. Yeah, that's what I remember from fillings. I don't think I've ever gotten them in a time when they were doing that popularly. Yeah. That's probably for the best. you know, means you've had better teeth than I have. Uh. <laughs> well, I, I've told you about my, not as a child. We, we, yeah, we talked about this the last time I went to the dentist last Man, month. Man, we do not see DK like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but it was, you know, so yeah, my only restriction was for 24 hours, don't, he- don't eat anything too hot or too cold, was all I was told. Mm-hmm. So that the fillings or whatever don't expand or contract in an unexpected way. And I was like, cool, yep. that's pretty easy. So I, we had planned some dinner to make that was going to be like a, you know, a baked chicken thing. And I was like, well, they didn't really give me parameters about what was hot or cold, you know. So let's just play it safe. And I went to the grocery store or our fancy grocery store and got fancy grocery store sushi for dinner ah. just to be safe. Yeah, yeah, just to be safe, you know. <laughs> you don't want to risk it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was fine. Like, at least the dentist is nice. You know, she was very conscientious as she was handling everything, mm-hmm. making sure I was comfortable, all that good stuff. Yeah. And I and I swiped a... I don't know if most dentists do this or if maybe this dentist knows that their clientele seems to be mostly adults, so it's not that big of a deal. But I don't remember as a kid having a huge basket of candy on the way out. Mm. There's a huge basket of candy on the way out. And not only is it candy, it's the sort of candy that's absolutely awful for your teeth. It's like yeah. Laffy Taffy and Airheads and Skittles and stuff. The return customer type of taffy. Ta- True. <laughs> candy. Taffy. <laughs> that's a good My point. God. So, yeah, I, I, I walked out and grabbed an orange Airhead. Yeah. It was good. I haven't had an airhead and I don't even know how long, but man, now I feel like I miss them a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're so good. <laughs> oh, now you're making me nostalgic for candy. I miss my but, white mystery airheads. Yeah. Can I ask you some personal curiosity questions about the process? Uh, for sure. So I'm, I'm assuming based on my own experiences, dentists tend to like when they're doing stuff in your mouth, try to keep it out of your eye line as much as possible. As I don't know if it's like a kind of like a magician type reason or if it's just like so you don't freak people out with what you're sticking in their mouth. I don't know. Uh, 
so I understand if you don't know many details, but like, so the, the actual filling material, did uh-huh. you get any sense of how it was being applied? Like, was it a thick liquid that was being like syringed in, or was it like something that was being scooped in or like a powder that was being packed in and then liquid applied to it or... Again, because I was already thrown off, it took me a while. You know, luckily I had two fillings, so I had a little bit of time to gauge my, mm-hmm. to gauge everything as I was going along, uh, to eventually figure out as best I could tell based on the processes that went on. It felt like something was being packed in, because mm-hmm. there's like there's the obvious drilling part, and then eventually there was this like feeling of something being pushed into my teeth. Okay. You know, which again, I couldn't, I couldn't like feel, feel, but like I could kind of feel the pressure. And the only thing that made sense is that that's what was going in. Uh, and I do know because I did see that they had a little bottle that looked like a tiny like pill bottle mm-hmm. that that contained whatever the filling material was. So it almost certainly wasn't like liquid if mm-hmm. it was in this bottle that looked like it could only contain something kind of solid. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. That's my main curiosity. Okay. Because. The industry that I was working in, the science behind what we were doing there was directly analogous to the science of like UV cured fillings. Intriguing. And so many of the chemicals are like all in the same families, like a lot some of the companies that sell chemicals to people in those industries are the same, stuff like that. It's just like the chemicals that we used were all the cheapest possible ones, and the chemicals used in the fillings are often the most expensive ones. Sure. The because ones that have, you know, health considerations. Yeah. yeah um, that makes sense. And just, like, there's also a lower bar for, or a higher bar for, like, quality of product. Like, you don't, mm-hmm. don't want a filling, like, slowly turning yellow over time. But, like, True. an ink that's going to be disposed of in nine months, like... Mm-hmm. doesn't have to stay yellow or it doesn't have to stay like pure white for 50 years or that's a good point five years so there's like and there's just like more yeah because of health reasons and mm-hmm. people are more picky about their teeth than they are about ink yeah actually not true. not all the time some people well, in consumers freaking picky is <laughs> yeah, consumers but, the consumer yeah. level not the people yeah. who like are more directly associated with it Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like in the ink industry, there's also like it's it's a mix of both factors. I would have never really considered the fact of, well, of course you wouldn't bother trying to improve the longevity because it literally doesn't matter. But also, there's the factor if someone thought that it did matter, if some person at you know insert your favorite beverage company was like, oh, we very desperately want our bottles to be bright red or blue as it were in 50 years when you go look through the ocean and find it bobbing over there um someone would be like but like obviously customers don't care customers expect everything to degrade with time like (laughs) you know if someone really cares about this bottle let them put put in the time to attempt to preserve it in some fashion Mm -hmm. but actually that's a good question would that even help like what is the like process okay so you couldn't like plastic wrap it like a comic book or something like you but i suppose even a comic book like if you leave it in it's like is it exposure to light is it also oxygen like what could what could you do yeah the answer is it depends it depends on the exact colors and the exact like pigments because i assume we're talking about like colors 
of things. Yeah, yeah. You want it to re- like you want it to remain somewhat vibrant. Yeah. So yeah, the answer is super. It depends on like the exact colors, the exact pigments, even like down to like the impurities in the pigments matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the environment they're kept in. So things like UV light, heat, uh, moisture yeah. are all bad in general. Um, oxygen sometimes, but those are kind of the big things. So like if you keep something in a place where it's going to get direct sunlight, most pigments will eventually degrade at least a certain amount. Mm-hmm. There's very few like true light fast pigments. Sure. Not what pigment suppliers will tell you, but in reality, <laughs> there's very few like true light fast pigments. Some will still be that color forever or for almost ever, but like they won't be the exact same color. Sure. Yeah. L- like the one that I've dealt with the most is UV light. That's the one of the harshest. And it's one of the ones that like gets tested for the most because for inks and stuff, it's one of the more relevant. Cause if you have products in a store window or signs or something, mm-hmm. yeah, those are the big ones. I'm trying I'm to think gl- of other I'm glad things. that we can finally start. Like, even though it's not anything actually relevant, you know, it's like the closest I can get to you <laughs> talking about something related to your life <laughs> on the show. <laughs> yeah. That's all you'll get out of me. <laughs> no, I see. I really want to talk about more of the details, but I know it's like past the. Uh, Maybe in ten years the, we'll find out where you live right now. No, like the things I want to talk about are like past the like point where this podcast would care about them. Yeah, that's fair. And Pat, because like I want to talk about some of the details. I wish you'd gotten <laughs> the like SDSs of the uh, resin that went in your mouth. You should have asked for them. I think we've gotten about everything that SDS, everything out of SDS is on this show than we than we have. I think we probably have at least five separate shows where we look up SDSs. <laughs> oh, we totally have. Because <laughs> based on the Getting SDS, the like I know those products well enough that based on the SDSs of final products, I can get a good a, a few guesses at like some of the things that might be in them. Mm-hmm. It's some of the things I'm curious about. Sure. So I don't know what companies are actually putting in dental resins these days. Well, I'll ask my dentist in three weeks and see if she has an answer for you. Yeah, see if she'll, she'll at least... So my friend s- works in the ink industry. <laughs> see see if you can... Uh, say he works in like the... With photo curing or something. And see if you can get at least like the company that it's from. I could probably just look at the bottle. Might be yeah. a weird question, but I could probably figure it out. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see if I remember. I, I make no promises, but... You, you don't have to. <laughs> but if if the opportunity presents itself, if they're like, yes, do you have any other, like, final questions that might be irrelevant, <laughs> but you might be have been asked to ask them of us? <laughs> throw it out. Can you tell... Do you have any white airheads, and what is the brand of that bottle? <laughs> Yo, yeah, white airheads. What flavor are white airheads? I don't remember. Are they mystery? Oh, this is, or yeah, are this they... is what I was... I mentioned them like five minutes ago that they're mystery airheads. They're mystery flavors, and that's what I... I always like the white ones. Oh. Was I just in my own little world? I didn't even notice that. I'm so sorry. It was a very passing comment. It's okay. <laughs> I thought you said you had an orange airhead. No, I did have an orange airhead, okay. but I was saying that I was nostalgic for white ones in particular. Okay. That's what I always gravitated towards. I see. Yes. From sea to shining sea. Ah, okay. You know what also is uh, between a sea and a shining sea? A street called Grand Avenue, 
by Mike Thompson. Uh-huh. Seamless transitions over here. Um, Especially when you point them out. Oh, absolutely. So we got uh we got a chunky yet cool retro car. Convertible, might I also say. I was going to say driving down a road, but it appears to be flying <laughs> 6 to 12 inches above a road because the tires are never shown in contact with the road. Uh, we will see if that's relevant or not as we read. And so there's two passengers in the car. There's a, uh, ol- a white-haired older woman. I'm guessing it's a grandmother. And I believe my guess will be confirmed quite soon. And then a younger girl in the back seat. Which I'm guessing is maybe a granddaughter, based on my guess of grandmother. Um, and so the girl's saying, Grandma! Oh, guess confirmed. We need to find a restroom. Do you need a rest? Little girl pipes back, Grandma! We need to find a bathroom! Grandma responds back, Do you need a bath? Grandma! We need to find a washroom! Grandma responding yet again, do you need a wash? Okay, okay. Enough joking. Well, find one. And finally, as the car is driving away from the viewer, the little girl pipes up one last time. Grandma! We need to find an upholstery cleaning company. As presumably the little girl uh, dropped the kids off at the pool in the back seat. Huh? That fair? That, that, uh... That, uh, I think that was a nice, straightforward read. Acceptable. Good, good. Yes. Who doesn't like a little good toilet humor? Heck yeah. Don't you mean backseat upholstery humor? That's exactly what I mean. I mean wash humor. So, so several ways that we could take this, but we'll we'll start I... out with... Hmm. What? What? What'd you, no, what would you no, like to interject fine. with? No, no, you finish. No, no, Grant. I was just going to say, are you asking me a question? I don't Good know, recovery? I? Good recovery? <laughs> oh, man. Grant, what is your experience with convertibles? Oh! My experience with convertibles is primarily my father's experience with convertibles. Okay. So, I have personally never owned a convertible, as I'm guessing you knew. Um, I had a guess, yeah. <laughs> my dad... So, in my lifetime... My dad has owned a convertible for a few years. It was relatively recently, and he has sold it within the past few years. Uh, he had it for just a couple of years, but it was like an old, uh, like I think it was like late 70s Mustang convertible. Classic. That he got for funsies. Um, it was fun. It was yeah. It was a good time. Like, practically not very nice. Like, <laughs> especially in the Midwest. Yes. But, like, if you if you only worry about driving it, like, four to six months out of the year, then it's great. And it can be a ton of fun. As But it's like, I feel like it's fun as kind of a novelty. I don't think I would want, like, I, I certainly wouldn't want my daily driver even if it's just for nice days to be a convertible. Like, I don't want to go to the grocery store in a convertible unless I'm trying to seem cool. But, like, 
maybe others i don't know i don't need to be cool all the time i'm okay being a loser some of the time i'm all kind of to be honest a bit more comfortable with that uh-huh. uh i'm not comfortable being cool all the time i can only handle it for a little bit it's a lot to put on a person and i would know you know uh but anyway and it was yeah it was fun it was also fun because like it was an old car so like it was an old car with like i don't know if this is true or not but the like a racing engine like a the like extra souped up engine that was like low-key like young men would buy the car with that engine so they could drive around town as fast as possible sure in maybe not a perfectly legal manner uh so it was it was quite fun to drive it had a bit of giddy up and go for an old car mm-hmm. but I like it yeah i don't know they're they're they i they i so was it when when your dad was using it was it like hey, let's just go drive around in the Mustang today. Did he use it as his regular car for those four to six months when it was allowable? Well, what was his approach to using it? He he used it if he's, like, wanted to, like, take a trip and make it special. So, like, if, okay. like, like going out to brunch on a Sunday or something, perfect time to break out the Mustang. Yeah, that, that, that is very strong Midwest energy for sure. Yeah, or, like, okay, I'm not going to lie. The time I remember riding in it, other than the first time I rode in it, the like second time that I remember most, <laughs> not to be like leaning on dental stuff today, but when I got my wisdom teeth removed, <laughs> he picked me up in the Mustang. <laughs> I can't tell if that's good or really bad. <laughs> it was, it's a great memory. I was super high or I, like still on the anesthetic or whatever it is. Uh-huh. Uh, and so like, I was, it didn't matter what I got picked up and I was having the time of my life, but it was like <laughs> a very fun experience to be like wheeled out to like this cool old like sports car. Sure. <laughs> That's funny. Good timing. I'm waiting for you to tell me that that was in February or something. No, it was, it was at, uh, at like the beginning of summer. So it was like perfect. Yeah. It was a beautiful day, like perfect time of the year for it and everything. I just realized, do you think dentists, like, adjust their staffing over the summer so that they can do more wisdom teeth pulling for students, like, in June, when everyone wants it done? That's a good question. I feel like... like, who gets it done in the middle of the school year if they can avoid it? I feel like they don't adjust staffing because... Well, like, okay, when you say adjust staffing, do you mean, like, hiring people or, like... Uh, Just availability. Like... I feel like they probably don't adjust staffing that much because I feel I just assume that like the dental industry is not that flexible. That's fair. Uh, another another shower thought on dentistry that I'm thinking of right now. Have you ever considered that if if people stayed with their correct cleaning schedule, there's really very few people in the world that you could ever run into at the dentist office. What do you mean by that? I mean, if you're supposed to get your teeth cleaned every six months, very little flexibility in who you would come across. Mm. That's what I mean. That's fair. Do you, like, run into people at the dentist? No. I mean, definitely not at my dentist. But I could imagine it happening in a smaller town. That makes sense, yeah. But in a smaller town, it'd be even more true, you know. Oh, absolutely. In a small town, it'd be... People riding up in their Mustangs. You'd have, like, your dentist friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See what was in the articles, in the articles in the magazines of this year. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, the only time... Okay, I'm trying to remember. I think I've ridden in a convertible like twice in my life. I know there's someone who had, whose family had a Mustang, but it was one of the newer ones. Mm-hmm. I think I rode in that once. And then my uncle in Ohio had a convertible, and I got to ride in it, I think, when we visited them for Thanksgiving once. And I feel like those are the only things that I can remember. But my dream car, not actually, but the the car that I like to pretend is my dream car is a is a Mazda Miata. Ooh. Which is like the super tiny convertible. <laughs> yep. Uh, especially though the older ones that have flip up headlights. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they just seem so fun and cute. I don't know. I see them every once in a while around the city. And I'm like, oh, that just seems like a, just a little bit of fun. It's like a go-kart almost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I don't know, I feel like, you know, on, on a, well, actually, I don't even know. Does your current car have a sunroof? No. Okay, is that something you would like? So, like, I say yes, but I also practically know <laughs> it, like, would be co- totally waste. Like, I'm not going to use it. Uh-huh. Like, it's not going to be something that I actually care about, thus, like, because it costs more. Like, I'm not going to do it, like, get mm-hmm. one. Unless it was just, like, a used car that just happened to have one. Mm-hmm. But, no, it doesn't. Are you a, do you like sunroofs? I like them. I know that in cars that I've driven that have them, I'm pretty good at using them if only for the extra light, not even opening up the sunroof, but opening oh, up the, the yeah, shield. Yeah, okay, know? yep. So. That's a good perk of them. Um, I do remember in, in my more rambunctious days in high school, one drumline week I was riding with Aaron, and she had opened up her sunroof. Oh my gosh. And I had, I was leaning out of the sunroof throwing pennies at people at the other people in drumline when we were stopped at stoplights. <laughs> uh so there's that that's a bucket list item i need to complete that's like a childish <laughs> thing that i have never done is like <laughs> hang my whole body or like my torso out of a sunroof yeah just for like funsies i was yeah, just... I, d- I didn't do it while moving because i don't hate myself i respect oh. the law and my life but i did it while stationary I just saw an episode of Lost in Space where a character did that, and I was just like, "Oh, that I should do that sometime." <laughs> you got to do it on like a like a a country road. I feel like mm-hmm. where you can't be, you're very unlikely to get in trouble. Like what? A, what? What law is that? Oh, seatbelt laws. No, yeah, they yeah, got you for seatbelt laws. <laughs> there we go. But depending on the state, I'm probably wrong. I'm gonna shut up. One of my, I mean, there's definitely states where that would probably be fine. Um, <laughs> I remember getting in an argument with someone. I feel like I've probably told you this story, but I got in an argument with someone uh, who I worked with at summer camp when they refused to buckle up in the back seat. Mm-hmm. And it's like, A, we're on camp business. So, like, don't be an idiot. And also, I don't care where you're from if if you don't technically have to do this and if I feel like we've gone over this, but man, it was frustrating. Uh, yeah, and B, don't be an idiot. Yeah, also Click that. it or tick it. You know it. B-I-T-C-H. But, but, but sometimes, like, you know, 
you can die by strangulation in a car crash if you're wearing your seatbelt. So can you if you trip down the stairway and your jacket gets caught on the railing. Well, or just like, but the thing is like, yes, for every person who died from wearing, from, from quote unquote, wearing a seatbelt, uh, they were almost certainly going to die if they weren't wearing a seatbelt, just by a different, more violent ending, probably. Yeah, probably way worse ending. So, but anyway, what I was going to say on a happier note is one of my fondest high school car memories uh, on a filming day, let's call it, for Magic Theater. I don't I don't even remember if it was for Magic Theater or if it was for some other dumb thing that I did with Aaron Miller. Uh <laughs> And we were driving down 55, and when we were stopped at stoplights, I, I remember think, this. Yeah, we I would remember this. From open the, other the car. window, open yep. the, yeah, roll down the window, and he would start playing trumpet at people. <laughs> uh, that was a good time. I remember that day vividly. Lots of shenanigans. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, yeah. Not not so many shenanigans in uh, cars these days. Grant has brought Fraz by Jeff Mallet. We have Fraz working as a custodian, I believe, and it looks like he's probably maybe in the school library or like a study room. There's a bookshelf behind him, uh, and he is leaning over a table uh, that looks probably vaguely circular with some... Um, red school style chairs you know what i mean when i say that uh he's mm-hmm. talking to a smaller girl wearing a sweater has a ponytail some glasses fraz is saying what's that a christmas list as the girl is you know scribbling in a little notebook and she says that seems pushy and with her arms on her hips i'm getting a start on my resolutions and uh, Fraz says, what's first? The girl says, arms crossed now, ride that new pony I'd better get for Christmas. Got him. Yeah, you ride that pony. Get it. Yeah. So I want to talk about something maybe a bit pedantic Mm. tonight. What constitutes a list in your mind? What, What are the necessary or the, like combination of criteria that a list has to have at least a certain like amount of criteria or something like what what's the list i think it is a sequence of distinct things that are all connected by some overall category okay right so it's always like a list is a list of something Right, that's yes. your overall category, and then it must contain distinct items. And the way that you list that you quote unquote list those items that you write them down or or mm-hmm. rattle them off is sort of up to you. But it should be clear that there are, uh, you know, points between these things, right? So whether that's bullet points, pauses while talking, uh, in fancier writing, you know, you get or in less fancy writing, you get commas, and more fancy writing, you get semicolons. Uh, so on and so forth. But that is how, that is my like broadest take on what a list is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let, let's, we'll narrow it here. So I, specifically- actually, I take that, I take that slightly back. I said sequence. Mathematically sequence implies an order. Um, it is an 
ordered or unordered set of things. Series or something. Uh, yeah, I want to say a set, because mathematically okay. I think that's that, okay. that fits pretty well, uh, of things that are related to some overall category. Uh-huh. Okay. So, specifically talking about, like, written down, if I, over the next week, handed you a bunch of papers, kind of a few each day, then at the end of the week I said, go find me the list. Mm-hmm. What would be the characteristics that you are looking for in whichever, when you're looking through those pieces of paper to find me the list? I mean, naturally, my first thing, uh, ho- hopefully, it would be uh, finding some uh, punctuation or otherwise clear formatting. Mm-hmm. You know, that tends to show the disjointed nature of a list where there are, you know, awkward stops and and new lines and all this sort of stuff perhaps indentation separate from something else uh Mm -hmm. all that good stuff right and if none of that is there then i'm looking for the less common forms of a paragraph style list which we have already talked about yes so bullets dashes asterisks whatever floats your boat okay numbers if it's ordered yeah so i i'm trying not to impart upon you uh, my own impressions of a list. But based uh-huh. on your descriptions, I just want to ask clarification. It sounds like your descriptions have implied like the bullet points or asterisks. Ast- asterisks. How do I say that word even? Asterisk? Asterisk? <laughs> I can't help you. <laughs> if you say it this again. This is like a asterisk. Asterisk. Yeah. Okay. That sounds right to me. Those sort of things, in my mind, imply like column-based organization or like like vertical like do you know what i mean when i'm no yeah when it's written down that's what i'm saying my first instinct is to look for that because that's the most typical way i see lists but if that doesn't work that i'm looking for any other form of organization that shows me a list but it requires organization no, well, organization is relative, right? I'm first looking for organization that implies the way that perhaps I would go about making a list in my own personal life, the ways that I tend to see lists written down, but also like a, let's call it a, I don't, I, don't, I can't even think, like a collage of ideas on a piece of paper, right? If they're all distinct, I could call that a list, you know? But is it a list? I think so. If all those things are related in some meaningful way. So if I'm making a list of like... Like if I wanted to make a grocery list, I could rotate the paper every single time I write down a word. And it may be less useful, but like I'd still call that a list. So just like grocery items written on a piece of paper counts as a list. As long as they are on the same piece of paper and they have an overarching grouping to them. I don't think they have to be on the same piece of paper. If you give me two pieces of paper and they're all connected, I'd be like, well, this is one list. It's just kind of split up in a dumb way. Or give You're me a, a monster. Of index this has cards. gone way off track. I but this is the thing. never I'm going talking very, to you again. I'm you have very, ruined my life. But this is the thing. I if you ask you. me, Mark, how would you prefer to have a list? I would say very strongly that there are ways to make a list that everyone understands that is best for communication. Yeah. But and I so still if someone think did a that, list in an abstract sense is more general than that because i could write a paragraph that's a list that's not a list that's a paragraph 
But if it, but within the paragraph, it can contain a list of items, just separated by oh, commas or whatever. Yes, yes. Right. Like, I don't have to use items. any, or I could just. But that's not a list. Yeah, it is. It's a list, but it's not listed in a way in a form of formatting that you prefer. Mm, I. Because there's, there's the distinction here is a list in my mind is the abstract notion versus the way that it is committed to paper is a separate thing. So and we have to. <laughs> okay, no, I'm I'm gonna accept. Not I'm gonna accept your premise in that I'm accepting that it's right because you're wrong. But I'm gonna move on to something more productive towards making me, towards giving me the gratification I was looking for out of this conversation. Okay, go for it. Because that's all we're here for is making me feel better. Uh Um, (laughs) Is so if where is the line in the definition of a list where Uh say I, I give you something and then I ask you to go find that list and you're struggling to find the list because of the way I have chosen to format it. Where is the line of it's your fault for not recognizing what I thought was a list versus <laughs> it's my fault for not communicating effectively what my list was. As with most things, there's almost certainly no clear line. I want a clear uh, line. Make it. I, make one. I think I Even think if it's false. It is on the author's intention, right? So, for example, here's a dumb example, right? I could say that a book is just a list of words within that book. That would be dumb, right? That's a that's a dumb argument because it's a book, right? It's not written to be a list, mm-hmm. right? And, but I could list every word that's in the book and maybe count how many times each one occurs and put that in a format that people would recognize as a list. And if I tried to claim that's a book, they'd be like, well, no, because like in that case, like the organization is essential there, right? In both cases. Um, so I would say if there is not a, we're talking about writing, right? We're sticking with this piece of paper. Written list. I think if there is not a, a clear spatial organization to separate each thing in a consistent manner, then it's a, then it's a bad list and it's your fault for not, like it's the author's fault for not making it clear, right? Whatever is separating the ideas, I don't care what that separation is. It could be strokes from a highlighter. It could be feathers from a bird taped onto the paper. I don't care what it is. As long as it's consistent, then I can probably figure out that it's a list in some way. But the reason a book doesn't make sense as a list is because, like, well, there's spaces and there's periods and there's line breaks and there's page breaks and there's so many things that don't really make sense um, as a list. Of course, one could also argue that that's just a hierarchical list where, you know, you can have nested lists, right? And we understand that. And a book is just a really long nested list of ideas, but that's, I'm not Mm going to argue that right now. Um, You could format it in a way that that would be clear, but. Mm -hmm. I I, I think I'll accept that. So in summary, a list requires (laughs) some form of consistent spatial or symbolic organization. Drop mic, episode over, I win. Not against you, just in life.